0: All right, here we go. Welcome to a Single Tree Podcast, everyone. We're thrilled that you've joined us today. And today we're going to switch it up a little bit and talk about some very personal things. (laughs) We're basically going to talk about how we've become who we've become and uh, talk about our influences. What has... um, really shaped our thinking and ways of being, and many of the things that we talk about on the podcast. So thanks for joining us. I'm Joel. And I'm Brandon. Hello. And we hope you're doing well. And um, so yeah, today you get to learn a little bit about us, even if you didn't want to.
1: <laughs> Give you a little bit of perspective about Why we talk about Uh things in the strange ways that we talk
0: about. (laughs) Yeah, because believe it or not, we didn't make all this stuff up. Right. Or come about it on our own. So it's good for us to give a nod and give credit where credit is due. Right. Because it's not original thought. (laughs) There's no such thing as original thought. I don't know. Maybe there is. It seems like it's always you know, sort of created out of something that was already there. Yeah. Just like any type of creative enterprise or endeavor, you're just taking a substance that already exists.
1: Like right. painting. Exactly. You're, you're a painter. I'm a painter. Well, I mean I paint. <laughs> I wish I'm not really a painter.
0: But you wouldn't say you're a painter by trade? no. But no, you, but you like to paint. Love
1: to paint. Yeah. That's cool, man. It is. It's therapeutic for sure. Go it through is. stages. Yeah, especially during the winter time. That's when I like to paint. Really. Yeah. You can't go care. outside and exactly. dig in the dirt. Mm-hmm. Keeps yeah. me from getting cabin fever.
0: Yeah. You're a fine painter. Mm, thank you. I'm a fan
1: of abstract art, so the only thing I can do I couldn't paint a face or a barn or a landscape to save my life so thank god there's abstract
0: art an abstract you could paint an abstract version maybe perhaps or not even that just paint on a canvas right I love it I think you're doing some good work thank you what inspires you
1: hmm I was thinking about that last night And on the way to work and I tend to start pretty (laughs) pretty big Um, and sometimes I can work to a smaller more detailed place and other times I can't this morning I haven't necessarily been able to do that I mean I think the the most influential thing uh, the thing that shaped me most is my suffering, mm. grief? Yes, grief has shaped me and influenced me the most. It's powerful. Um, outside of that, like, you went really big. Well, that's a, that's <laughs> where that's where. Slow down a little bit. Man. Yeah, that's where I started. Just, just my grief <laughs> and my suffering has has shaped me the most. But that's I, awesome. I think places that I've found myself. Going to find some context around that to help me make sense of just my human experience, and mm. my suffering has been uh, pretty robust, and I think a lot of it is has has looked like me accessing certain spiritual orientations Mm -hmm. Um, like you I'm a huge fan of Richard Rohr he was kind of the first guy that really helped me start being able to put words to my spiritual experience because up until that point I really hadn't found anything that really fit or worked for me Mm. Um, and so he the way he writes the way he sees things very much lines up with um How I experienced myself, spirituality, nature, all of these things. So he was he was the first kind of big influence, and what I liked about him is that he uh, drew from a lot of different influences himself, which I think is important, mm-hmm. or at least has been important for me. Uh, one of the things specifically was just his. Um, drawing on um, East like Eastern influences and in religions so um and I'd always had a curiosity about that so um, you know um, mm-hmm. he talks a lot about you know Taoism and Hinduism and in meditation, and you know, cer- certain sages of the world, um, which is was nice because that kind of um, I found myself accessing that and um, integrating that into mm-hmm. into my perspective and my vernacular. It helped me just find a real. You, a personal way to kind of synthesize my spiritual experience
0: yeah I think the thing about Richard Rohr Father Richard Rohr he's actually from Kansas he's, uh, in, he's uh, um, part of the Center for Action and Contemplation which is in New Mexico um, but the thing about him is that he's sort of like it's like he sees everything you know uh, he sees the world as a whole. He's he's a Franciscan priest, um, which means he's kind of from a Catholic tradition. But he also sees like all the other world religions. He sees uh, social and political issues, um, and so it's it's like he's trying to synthesize um, a lot of different thinking from a lot of different um, kind of approaches or uh, spiritualities or worldviews um, and not just seeing from his own um, culture or um, paradigm he's trying to bring everything together mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of you know it's if you if you come from a different, spiritual tradition or
1: um, worldview then um, it's it's still easy to connect with him. Yeah. You think once I when I connected with him I just you know I felt uh, like I mean I didn't really fit in one vernacular. Like just one vernacular didn't work for me which <clears throat> I mm-hmm. think a lot of people Probably had the same or similar experience. So he was kind of the first Mm -hmm. guy or that was the first. His stuff was the first. Information that I accessed that helped me find some space.
0: Yeah. So when you say vernacular, you mean um, like. There's (laughs) you and and a lot of other people kind of. Maybe don't just subscribe to one faith tradition or. Yeah. That you want to sort of maybe draw from a lot of different places. So yeah. Spirituality and <clears throat> there's value in the Eastern kind of um, traditions, religions, Eastern spirituality, and then Western spirituality, which is primarily Judeo Christian.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's the that's the only way i was able to make my spirituality mine <clears throat> otherwise it's uh, big otherwise i felt like it wasn't mine and that didn't feel real to me yeah i've always as i've talked to you about your spirituality and just
0: as we've talked about spirituality itself it, um i've always <laughs> One of the ways that you've influenced me, I think, is by um, thinking big and thinking about not just like this culture that we live in and this way of thinking, um, one worldview, um, but just thinking about like, you know, what does the rest of the world believe? You know, because if you go to Asia or the Middle East or Africa, like, there's just a totally different culture and way of thinking and paradigm worldview, you know, and, you know, those people are living a real authentic existence too that has, you know, that we can learn from and has a lot of value. And, you know, I mean, if you're not, if you're not thinking in that way, then you maybe not thinking big enough and you, Will miss out on learning that you can get from just Eastern thinking.
1: Yeah. For example. Yeah. I mean, we're, I think when we let ourselves go deeper into ourselves, we just find more complexity. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, inherently, that complexity just brings out. Um, paradox and so <laughs> for me I, you know how the deeper I was going into myself and the more complexity that was being experienced and the paradoxes that were arising out of that I, I had to access different sources mm-hmm. you know what I mean I had to Access different vernaculars to find ways to help myself rec- reconcile these paradoxes that were arising. That's what happens though. When you go, I think when you're, when you recognize a value of going deeper into yourself and trying to understand yourself better, paradoxes come. It's not that they even come. They're already... They've been there all along. They're Mm -hmm. just recognized. And then we just have to do something with them. And we have to. Yeah. So, you you know, it's kind of truer to reality
0: um, to draw from
1: diverse traditions and ways of thinking. Yeah. So Richard Rohr was the first guy that I really read that really in some ways kind of years ago, like gave me permission to do that. Yeah.
0: To expand your thinking outside of one, Mm -hmm. one faith tradition. And that was
1: really important for me. Yeah. It has been for me too. Yeah. And then after that, it's just, all downhill then I'm just accessing then it's just game on right just accessing all kinds of different. all things. the things you just open yourself to all the things right you I know? think that's great yeah. I think
0: that's a really great thing about you and your way of approaching life you know a lot of people get they get kind of constricted in this one like this is the way for everyone <laughs> you know or or even f- just for me you know and they don't they're not able to open themselves up to some other things that actually might be true, you know, things that have been around for thousands of years, you know, that maybe have some value.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I... I, Eastern thinking. I've just... The more I've explored all of the things or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing that I've continued to find is that they complement each other. Mm -hmm. That... At first, maybe on the surface or on paper, they look like paradox, but yeah. the further down the road you go, the more you see that they complement themselves uh-huh. um they complement one another, yeah, so you know Richard Rohr comes from a very or you know a a very old and established um Franciscan perspective, which there's, I see so much beauty in Mm -hmm. um, and rooted in Christianity but I love to I love to read that and and integrate that perspective into you know um, Mm -hmm. Nisargadatta Maharaj, who was considered a great sage, and he just talks about you know, he comes comes from um, a perspective of Advaita, which is just this non dualism Mm -hmm. and just discovering the core of who or or what you are. And those two things on the surface seem so opposite. Mm -hmm. But Richard Rohr talks about non dualism Mm -hmm. frequently. You know, that's the connection between the two. And that's good. You know, an example of just kind of what. How they can work together?
0: Yeah, Richard Rohr talks a lot about non-dualistic thinking, which we've talked about on previous episodes. Um, he talks a lot about the large self and the small self, um, which is probably where those terms came from for us. You know, he talks about paradox, which we've talked about um, quite a bit. So those those ideas are things that you know where he he connects with Eastern um, traditions and kind of seeks to bring them in and, and intersect to them with Christian spirituality. Um, you know, and those are the, uh, I mean, it just makes sense. It works together. So, and, you know, I mean, what we're seeking to do on the podcast is just kind of share some things that are really big ideas, but also, Just make them personal for people um, and help people to live life differently, live life practically um, informed by some of these ideas. And, you know, hopefully what we're able to do is just connect these really big conceptual abstract ideas like non-dualistic thinking to everyday life, you know. Um, And uh, we hope we hope we're it's easy for us to get lost in the conceptual, but hopefully we're offering something of practical use.
1: That's always the aim, isn't it? You know, it's like...
0: Yeah, that's the only thing. That I mean, the abstract thought is is interesting to me, but it's way more interesting to me to figure out how to do that in my
1: everyday life. Because what's the point of a concept unless you can integrate it into your life and do something with your suffering or your human experience, you know? Like... That's the most important part.
0: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you more about how the suffering has taught you. Ask away. I just did. Oh, wait. I made a statement. So when you say you've learned the most from your suffering, how would you say that's happened? Like, and you don't have to get into specifics necessarily. Or you know personal details necessarily but like how does that translate to transformation
1: or how has it well Joe I think when I you know when I look back upon my life just like the arc of my life I I think about I can look back with some degree of clarity now um and kind of see like the core of what was going on at least from my you know what I think was going on and mm-hmm. um and it was just kind of this pursuit to to know what I am, mm-hmm and it's easy for me to say this because that experience is so strong in me but it's almost I I, I can't help but think that everyone is trying to work that out you know Yeah. and so you know when I was an adolescent that looked a certain way when I was a teenager that looked (laughs) certain ways Mm -hmm. when I was in my 20s Looked certain ways And so did it in my 30s But at the core, it was just me trying to work out Who I am or discover what 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 that is And, you know So much of that Process Was done through me Grasping onto things that were kind of, you know, transient or were meaningful for a time and then became not mm-hmm. meaningful. And what that just created was just this suffering and grief. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's like a baby with a blanket, right? That's that's the thing that it gets its comfort and its security from right Uh and but rarely do we you know we don't walk through the arc of our life with that same blanket we started out with Uh right and so Uh you know when you take the blanket away from the baby it cries right because that's its Uh that's its thing that it grasped onto mm-hmm. so I just kind of look back on my life and I'm like wow it's all of these different blankies that I was grasping for or holding onto and then they were either being torn away from me or I threw them down because they it wasn't what I thought it was and that's just a a grief process you know because it's just like and there's a shedding of layers in that and then it's like well geez if it's not that then what is it and it's just uh-huh. it's you know there's there's a there's a suffering and a and a deep deep grief and all of that do you
0: at, at what point do you feel like you learned that that suffering was a gift or something that
1: could be, a positive force in your life? Not until my late 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I had just, I mean, at that point, you know, I'd I'd fought so hard to find the thing or to get the golden blankie, right? The golden blankie, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd have so many... Perceived golden blankies fall away or be torn away. It's I was, you know, at some point there's there's a like a that suffering and that grief, you know, over time just it wears, it Mm -hmm. wear. I think it just wore my Mm -hmm. small self down to where. At some point then, you know, it's, it was just like, oh, you know, you start to realize that whatever they're, whatever it is or whatever it is that you're looking for is just only, you know, inside, uh-huh. at least for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So that, I mean, I don't know, is that too vague or?
0: No, that's perfect, man.
1: Yeah. I think it just, the the grief and the suffering just, and the intensity of my fight for 20 years or whatever just mm-hmm. started to wear me down to where the small self was kind of starting to get real thin. Yeah, I, th- I think that's resilience. I mean,
0: re- realizing that you're suffering is not without some benefit or lesson or something Um, you know because there's maybe some of us and maybe all of us at certain points that um, take on kind of this victim mentality or we're, we're defined by what we don't get from life or we take on this idea that or this perspective that Life is just not fair, or life just sucks, <laughs> um, without some kind of larger purpose. Um, but you know, when you when you realize maybe this grief or suffering is um, here to, you know, form me, then I think that's I think that could be a way to define
1: resilience. I would. I think I would agree I mean okay. that's at least what I've found up until this point <laughs> mm-hmm. so
0: <laughs> maybe there's maybe you'll discover something else later maybe I uh, my um, path has, has not been dissimilar uh, I think One of the most powerful things for me as I was kind of in my adolescence and, um, early adulthood, um, came from my, um, my upbringing. I was actually raised in, uh, Christian spirituality. Um, I went to a, my, my parents took me to a Presbyterian church when I was, since I was born, um, but one of the things that I actually like remember being really formative for me was just the idea of grace, which is basically the idea that, you know, as we've talked about in, in past podcasts, like there, there are these expectations or rules that kind of govern relationships and, you know, God has given rules for how we should do things. And I think um, all of us in any faith tradition or any context that you're in, you get those rules that kind of are what make you valuable. Um, if you do them or you live up to them, um, and grace was just the idea that basically you're going to mess up and you are messed up, but it's okay. (laughs) Those, those things can be forgiven. And um, the way that that actually entered my life in a practical way, though, was just through the ability to be um, open and honest and vulnerable with other people about my shortcomings um, or failures or just even insecurities that I had about myself. Um, and people will ask me sometimes, you know, like, how do you connect with God or how do you connect with spirituality and I would say that that's the first way that I learned to do that and maybe one of the best ways that I can still do that is just by acknowledging my own weakness or inability um, and it, so it's kind of similar in a way it's it's through suffering um, or facing like things that we don't want to face that uh, that we can, I don't know, get to a different place and just like connect with something greater. Um, So that was the way that I did that. that has been a big influence in my life is just the idea of being accepted despite all of the things that might make you unlovable. That's kind of the core thing for you. Yeah, it has been. And like you now, I, I think I um, <laughs> and I think it's the you know, the stage of life that we're in. Um, you know, you kind of have this idealistic um, way of thinking that carries you through your <laughs> your childhood and your early adulthood. and then you sort of realize that maybe everything that you ever wanted you're not going to get in your life in your 30s say Um, and then grief and suffering really starts to kind of like take over as
1: um, your primary teacher in a way Hmm. so how's your spirituality changed through all that
0: Hmm. I mean grace is still pretty foundational again just kind of um continuing to sort of like be aware of and um, work with any of the things about myself that maybe are I believe might make me unlovable or things that are imperfect or even just mistakes Um, I continue to you know as I encounter stress and life look at myself and um you know those are things that i try to correct and grow but it's actually most helpful to me to just remember that i can be loved in those things just and despite those things um so that's still
1: just a huge part of it's just just self self-acceptance so um, that's been an internal process Throughout, then, sure. what on the outside? What sources on the outside have you accessed for that? I mean, whether it be Richard Rohr, or what else?
0: Um, there is a couple spiritual writers who are also, also from the Catholic tradition. Uh, Brendan Manning is um, a really um, reliable source for me, just in you know, sort of understanding grace. Um, and then, uh, Henry Nowen's another one, similar writing about spirituality. Um, there's a book that he wrote called reaching out, which is, was actually pretty formative for me as far as, um, developing some spiritual practices. Um, something I think it's hard to connect with and figure out ways that you can, um, actually, in an organic way, um, you know, just actually like find God or any sort of spirituality. Um, Henry now in that book, Reaching Out talks about just being able to like find and create some space in your life for God or even for other people. And so like that idea of like just He calls it hospitality, just opening up um, space in your heart or in your being for other people to inhabit that space, whether that's God or other people, is just a really, continues to be a really
1: powerful idea for me. So So what are these other influences that you have? I know you, I saw this piece of paper with this list of words here.
0: My long list? That's about it as far as spirituality. (laughs) I think, you know, and then both of us are trained in systems theory, which is, you know, where family therapy comes from. Um, And I think, you know, just having a, a base of, like, spirituality and then being, like, learning about all of those systemic um, ideas and ways of thinking
1: was just really pretty powerful for me as well. So. Kind of falls in line with some of the things you were already having an experience about. Like systems theory talks about how everything's connected. Right? And Then Mm -hmm. lo and behold so does Richard Rohr and yeah. all of these all of these different vernaculars that are kind of saying the same thing yeah well i I mean you know Christian theology there's also
0: this idea that God is this relational system and like you know the creation re- reflects that and so like everything that exists it exists in relationship and so like that that idea is always just like alive for me all that's all of the time so it's not just you know relationships and families but like the relationships that matter and molecules and the universe all have with each other um that that's the stuff that's really interesting for me to think about um so you know just the just the systems theory and systems perspective is uh something that I can't you know I just can't get rid of it's like it's like all I see Mm -hmm. all the time so
1: um, yeah it's interesting the parallels between all of these things whether it be be Uh like Richard War coming from kind of a Christian perspective or you know Buddhism or Taoism Mm-hmm. Or Nisargadatta talking about Advaita and quantum physics, how, you know, there are so many core parallels between all of them. That's mm-hmm. one thing I've always found that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I like exploring that and discovering
0: mm-hmm.
1: those basic kind of tenets and how they're all shared. It's fascinating. I mean even if you just look at like
0: matter molecules, atoms, like I think of the you know, the idea of of dualistic thinking that we've talked about in previous episodes and like just the atom itself contains two, you know, opposing forces. Um, what are they? Proton and electron? You know, which are kind of positive and negative Mm -hmm. forces. And then there's, you know, they're kind of held together. um, And even though they're opposites and there's a neutral force, neutron. um, But just, just that idea of like dualism being a part of the atoms and molecules that are just like a physical part of the universe. Like it's the spirituality is like in everything. Um, and then like in Christian spirituality, Jesus being sort of like the go between, between good and evil or, or the positive and negative, or, you know, it's kind of like the bridge between God and creation or God and man. Was he like
1: the neutron? I guess so. I don't know. That kind of, that kind
0: of makes sense. But, you know, (laughs) reconciling all of the things which is kind of the (laughs) the idea of non-dualistic thinking right is is just being able to reconcile
1: two apparently opposing things and it's that's what's funny we are thinking about that word reconciliation that we have this misconception about reconciliation is it's that there's Mm -hmm. going to be this elimination of something Mm -hmm. right when what I'm learning about reconciliation is that the reconciliation is that the container is big enough to hold everything. All of the things. Right.
0: Yeah. Richard Rohr talks about everything belongs, which I think is, you know, he has a book that's titled that, but um, that's just a, that's a huge idea. Cause I think, People are so used to dualistic thinking, you know, they think this is good and that is bad. And, you know, maybe they have this idea that the evil is going to be destroyed or go away or something like that, kind of like you're saying. But, you know, the, the idea is that everything belongs is that somehow maybe even the evil or the bad things that happen can be um, reconciled. And can be a part of just a larger whole. I mean, that's non-dualistic thinking. You know? Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, it's hard to get your mind (laughs) wrapped around that when there's so many apparently evil things happening around us.
1: Yeah. So it's like... Encouraging us to grow our containers for... Everything. For everything. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the actual reconciliation is that we're growing our container for these things not trying to mm-hmm. necessarily eliminate one element of them because they all work together
0: right yeah yeah i think in in christian spirituality too it it fits because you know there's all of these good and evil things apparently that are happening and yet you know, God basically is able to say um, that he can contain all of those things, right? And it's not it's not a problem because there's forgiveness or grace or reconciliation that's there um, that can help to reconcile the fact that, you know, and, and, and nothing is lost. There's no suffering that's wasted. Um, it can all be used, right? So like, when you're talking about suffering, <laughs> you can either see that as something that's just not fair and hopefully will stop someday or you can see it as something that <coughs> is formative, you know, and transformative, right? And the whole idea of like Jesus on the cross suffering is it's the use of um, of the suffering for something greater whatever that is you know? so yeah right but yeah I think it's it's good to um, kind of draw from all these different places and, and be able to sort of put them into a um, you know we're not looking to create a new type of spirituality or um, you know uh, religion at all or anything like that um, but just to um, you know, find a way of living, you know, that is informed by all of these things and maybe can honor them in some way and maybe even,
1: you know, bring all of the things together. How have you given yourself permission to access or explore, Different vernaculars. Because I would imagine in the beginning it maybe it didn't seem super safe or something. But. Yeah. I mean,
0: honestly, kind of in, in inherent in a lot of religions is this rigidity. <laughs> like they say, this is the truth, and it's the only truth, and anything outside of this may be partially true, but it's not really the actual truth. And so, um, you know, it prevents us from being, I don't know what the word for it is, but it prevents us from being open to um, different ideas. It it prevents us from being open to different traditions or religions or, or just even ways of practicing spirituality. Um, And, but at some point you know there were these people in my life that or and even like a com, a community that was able to communicate to me like it's okay and may, and maybe like it's okay to question and it's okay to doubt and it's okay to like explore even and and like as long as you have like um you know, some fundamental things like that are true. One could be that there's, there's good in the universe. If you, if you start with that, then it's okay to like get outside of, you know, what this one church or one faith tradition has been teaching you. Um, and so, but as long as we remain in this, these small contexts, I think, you know, I mean, and it's, it's not bad to be a part of a church or part of a religion or part of a faith community or whatever. Um, it's actually a very good thing, I think, to be a part of some kind of community, but, um, we can tend to sort of get, um, constricted and, and restricted from, um, growing and learning and exploring, um, if we if we re, if we remain in those small contexts and don't sort of like try to expand our consciousness and um, find larger contexts, um, so I think it was just getting outside of a small context and realizing that, you know, this maybe this type of thinking or belief or faith community was helpful for me for a time, but then like just it wasn't quite enough (laughs) you know and so kind of expanding outside of that and looking for other things that would
1: help connect with meaning spirituality god others so then so then part of your experience was that when you entered into something it helped you grow but also the same thing that helped you grow helped you move to something else.
0: Yeah, it's kinda of like we were talking about um you know, we were talking about separateness and togetherness or one of the one of the previous episodes, like you get into a a marriage or any kind of relationship and you realize this isn't like gonna meet a hundred percent of your needs, right? Or or like you're talking about these security blankets that we have, golden blankets, um, you know those things are good for a time. And then you sort of realize that there's maybe more that you need to seek outside of that. And you don't have to give those things up, whether that's your faith community or your relationships, obviously you don't give those up. Um, but that maybe you need to continue to expand your thinking about um, what you're looking for.
1: So, yeah. That's been my experience as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, the same thing we may enter into that's new and different, or maybe even a little bit scary at some point. You know, it helps us grow, and then mm-hmm. it's we see how it's been useful and how it's helped us find some growth and some awareness. And then, mm-hmm. at least for me, there's just been this sense of okay. I'm ready for this or, you know. Mm-hmm. Something more.
0: Yeah. Not true. sure what it is, maybe at, at first, but then you just kind of go looking for it and mm-hmm. you'll inevitably find something that you connect with or resonates. Yeah. What I think, one of the things that I think is kind of unique, uh, maybe not unique, but is um, kind of characteristic of our um shared experience and then just kind of the things that we talk about on the podcast are just how much this this spiritual um informs uh our clinical work and our work with people or just trying to sort of find like we were saying some practical ways to live life and and you know so we've been trained in systems theory but also co- kind of come from some differing spiritual backgrounds. Um, And so, you know, do you think, do you feel like those go together well? Like the systems training, you know, mental health, clinical background, and then your spiritual learning and growing? Because that's primarily what we're talking about, but like it seems to flow pretty readily into the clinical work right and that's part of what we're trying to do with the podcast is just kind of meld those two together I think they're almost um I think they make
1: sense and I think it's important to have probably both yeah I think that's my favorite part of what I do in working with people is that it's just kind of become seamless Mm -hmm. the clinical work and or the you know humanistic aspect or spiritual Uh piece Mm -hmm. you know I can't I can't I haven't been able to see a separation between Mm -hmm. those things for a long time (laughs)
0: you know you don't even see it anymore it just all together.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I guess I could see I guess I could see on the surface how there are maybe some differences Mm -hmm. but you know, I think maybe at a deeper level it just all starts to run together for me. Yeah, I I think one of the ways it does that for me is just through just
0: kind of the relational nature of people, but the universe, the spirituality, you know, that's one of the ways that it's, it just, it just all kind of flows together and makes sense is, you know, like attachment basically says that people seek to gain security through relationship. They seek out other people to trust and connect with, and that's what sort of helps them develop as selves, Um, you know, so that, I mean, it's just really easy for that to um, flow into spirituality or for spirituality to flow into life, you know, practical,
1: everyday life. Yeah. How is that not spiritual? I can't, I can't, there's no difference. There isn't, I can't see in one way that it's not (laughs) the same thing, you know, it's one of those it's one of those dichotomies though it's one of
0: those dualisms that are always in people's minds like there's this difference between spirit and flesh or whatever or spirit and matter Um, and you know sort of like taking these abstract ideas from spirituality um, and making them um, livable and then you know in an everyday, like, um, physical way, I think is. I mean, that's just one of our jobs. I feel like it's one of our jobs, and in, in working with people, and and then just even like communicating on the podcast, it's just to connect those things, because because really, you know, there's no difference.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, all I don't know. For sure, but I think you know that's just what spirituality and 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 religion is—is just a way to to understand our human experience, Mm -hmm. or to try to find some context around it and have a better one. You know, how similar is that to mental health? It's Mm -hmm. it all it all runs together.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think it's helpful to have the spiritual, you know, learning. Um, and I think it's also help, helpful to have the, uh, you know, learning about people and about um, the way that brains and bodies work. Um, and to sort of come from both both ends and try to figure out where they meet and what can be the most helpful for people. Right. So that's great it's a good process
1: thanks for listening everybody hopefully you feel like you have some sort of perspective now on why we talk the way we do and maybe you won't feel like we're so mm-hmm. unchained when you hear us talk again yeah so yeah well hopefully you can
0: maybe Seek out some of these things or let us know what influences you and what has been formative for you in your thinking. Um, there's lots of resources out there. And uh, I think we all connect with different things and um, different things that kind of help us get where we're going, which is it's a beautiful process. Right. Thanks for listening. It's good to talk to you. Talk to you soon. Take care.